Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, there's a bunch of high schoolers. Hey, good to see you guys. You guys doing good? Well, they probably heard that I was in here. <laughs> okay, maybe not. They're like, what is he doing in here? We're trying to escape him. <laughs> wow, if you can't have fun in church, where can you have fun? If you can't have fun in church, where can you have it, right? Come on, guys. I am the student ministries pastor. It's all about class participation. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin knows, right? <laughs> Reverend Dustin's a good man, great man, has worked with youth for years. He understands completely. We get energized when people say amen. Besides, I was taught to preach by some Southern Baptists, so I, if you get your hanky out and start waving it at me, you know it's good. So you get out and start doing that, I'm telling you, thank you. You say, testimony, hey, come on now. Where's it? Oh, no, but, all right. Are we in the conservative part of Texas? Okay. <laughs> I think all of Texas is. Amen. Well, I'm glad to be in here, guys. I'm glad to see adult faces. It's good to see you guys. I want you guys to know that we have Tree of Life Church. All of us staff, we get together, and I want you to know that every Tuesday we pray for you guys. Well, we pray every day for you, but we all get together, and we really intercede for every single one of you because every single one of you have a purpose, have a design and a plan by God on your life, and he's called you to something great. You have greatness on the inside of you and your pastors, we pray for you constantly, fervently, because our hearts are for you. And I want you to know that. Coming from Pastor Don's heart, and when you see Pastor Don on stage, he's a man of passion. And that passion, he extends towards you in prayer. There's no greater man that I know that prays for you as Tree of Life Church. He absolutely loves you and adores you and so do I <laughs> amen let's open up in prayer father we adore you though we reciprocate the love that you first gave to us the fact is Lord the greatest mystery in 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 the universe is why why you love us in the first place why you did it all why you created us the scripture says God about you that you are love you created us not so we could be worshipers, not so we could be servants, not so we could do this or do this or be somebody to you. You made us to love us, plain and simple. And God, because you first loved us, as scripture says, we love you out of the abundance of our heart, out of the depths of who we are. We have to say that we absolutely love you because you first loved us. God, and I want you to know that I adore you. Just here in front of everybody, I adore you. I absolutely love you. There is no one before you. There's no one even besides you who compares to you, who comes close to you. You are the author and the finisher. You are the great I am. You are the alpha, the omega, the one who created all things. You are God. And I declare you tonight as so in this place. Everybody said amen, amen. 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 Well, tonight I have something special on my heart that's been for you guys. If you guys need, I've got the ushers throwing stuff at me. If you guys need notes, we highly encourage Wednesday night is our note night. We see some hands. If you need notes, you get my notes. My sermon notes, you guys write, take notes. If you need pens, if you need paper, the notes, 
by all means, get it. Avail yourself of that. Ushers are good people. Love you guys. While the rest of you are waiting for the note takers to grab their notes, turn to John chapter 17, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. And in the message paraphrase, it says this. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. Gordon B. Hinckley says this. In missionary work, as in all else, preparation proceeds or precedes power. Encouragement to prepare while still very young can make a tremendous difference. Tonight, the title of my message, the title of what we're going to discuss is Someone Needs You, the result of preparation. I'll get to that in a minute. Mark McKinnon said this, running for president is hard, but it's good preparation because being president is a lot harder. Another man, Robert Louis Stevenson, said this about the presidency. Politics is perhaps the only profession for which no preparation is thought necessary. We see the two different thoughts about politics there. One, preparation, 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 and then one other person sees a different side of the coin. Politics, you don't even need to prepare. Ouch. But the cold hard facts is preparation is one of the most important things in every one of our lives that we need to do. Let me tell you a story. There was once a young boy who took care of animals as his chore. Every day he would open the sheep pen, which sheep stayed in at night, and he would let the sheep out. The pen was dirty because the sheep would defecate in it all night and then roll all up in that. So when he would open the pen, he would call the sheep out by name. He would then take the sheep as it as it was coming out and groom it by hand. He would take off the dung, he would take off the insects, he would take off the parasites, he would, he would clean up their wool every single day and he would call them out. And as shepherds know this, do we have any shepherds or herders of any cowboys? Do I have any cowboys? Come on, we're in Texas. No cowboys? Anybody's ever heard of cattle? Come on now, I've even heard of cattle. I'm from California. Come on now, thank you. At least, yeah, okay. So what they would do though is your animals, especially sheep, they would understand who you are by your voice. They would know you're their shepherd by your voice. And shepherds, they're notorious for singing. Some of them don't have singing voices, so they would whistle. And their sheep literally would learn to come to them by their whistle or by the sound of their voice. It's very important. This is very important. There's a reason why uh, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the sheep hear his voice and they know his voice. Verse 24 and 27. See, there's an important role that every shepherd had, and that was that the sheep knew his voice and he would call them out of the pen. See, at night they were put into these pens to keep them from predators. And sheep notoriously are filthy beasts, and they would be in this pen, scared out of their wits, peeing and defecating all over themselves, and they would roll in it. And my, my grandparents had sheep, I know this. I hated the sheep pen, it was... Not a big fan of sheep, but I'm a sheep anyway. So, and so the shepherd would call them out. He would open them up and they would stay in there until he would call them out. Shirley, come here. Billy, come here. Harry, come here. You know, and he would call them out one by one and he would groom them and clean them. 
pull off all the ticks, all of the parasites, all of the, all of the, um, the dung and all of the, the filth that they would co- accumulate through the night. He would clean them by hand. And the sheep loved it. <laughs> There's a reason why David said about God that he is our shepherd. See, the song we sang was a good, good father. See, he is our good shepherd. See, the, the state of the sheep, and this is a side note completely for you guys, free of charge. When David was talking about the sheep and the shepherd, see, you would know he was a good shepherd by how good looking the sheep was. If the sheep was fat, if it was white, if it was happy, that means his shepherd was a good shepherd. If it was scrawny, if it was malnourished, if it still had dung on it, if it was thirsty and ugly, it didn't have a good shepherd. God's our good shepherd. What state are you in? Did you hear me? God's our good shepherd. What state are we in? And you might be looking at yourself and thinking to yourself, man, I'm having a hard time in life. I'm, I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling famished. I'm feeling now malnourished. I'm feeling sick in my body. I'm feeling impoverished. I, I, I can't handle the stresses of life. I want you to realize that we have a good shepherd. And our good shepherd takes care of us. See, I, I, I read a really great book, um, A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23, one of the greatest shepherding books in the world. Um, And it's actually a pastor who was a shepherd who took care of sheep because he wanted to be a better pastor. And he would tell stories of these sheep that would run away from him. And they were usually, they were the runt, they were dirty, they were malnourished. And he would always chase after it and would never come to him. Never ever, he said it was a really stupid sheep. There was one time that it jumped off a cliff and got all tore up and just because it didn't want to come to him. All the other sheep ran to him and like he fed them in junk. And and, and this one sheep wouldn't come. Whoever feels like that one sheep. Ouch. But it happens. But see, the thing is, we have a good shepherd. So this one boy, he would take the sheep out and he would groom them because he was a shepherd. It was an unglorious job being a shepherd, just to be honest. In society, shepherds were kind of, they, well, they were out there. They're out in the hills. They're good. They're out there. They're smelly. They're stinky. They live outside. They're, you know, not outcasts, but they're a necessity to, you know, who's ever seen Micro and Dirty Jobs? He was just across the street a couple years ago doing, filming his gig there. But it was like a dirty job. Nobody wants to do it, but it's a necessity. That's what a shepherd was. It wasn't glorious. But this boy, he never complained about it. In fact, when he was out in the fields, when he would be in the midst of his boring life, he would be writing songs and he would hum and he would sing and even he made a makeshift instrument while he was out there. He, he would write songs. And you know, there's extreme, you know, satisfaction in taking a sheep to some grass and standing there. Looks like you're good. Some water right there. Come on. Yep. That's his life. That was the life of a shepherd. Lots of boredom. Lots of time on their hands. That's what sheep do. They, they take their time. They wander. They're, they're, they're not very smart beasts. But see, he never complained, though. He never did. And 
and I want to tell you something, because he never complained and he never he did, uh, um, uh, he always took his job very seriously. There was a time that uh, um, an animal came and a predator came and tried to take his sheep away and he fought off that animal. The second time another one came and he fought off that animal. So two amazing events in his life. Ah, I fought off this animal. Excitement, boredom. Excitement, boredom. More boredom. More boredom. More boredom. More mundane. Pastor Josh, why are you talking about this? You'll see in a minute. That boy's name was David, I'll get on with the story. He became one of the greatest kings of all time in history. David, everybody knows about David, secular and Christian, Judaic, Muslim, everybody knows about David. David was the junk, am I right? Yes, and see, he was famous because he prepared himself. Did you know, because he took care of the sheep and he prepared the sheep and he took care of them and he fed them and he did all these things and he, he put himself into loving on these sheep and caring for them that he was being trained or grooming himself, preparing himself to take care of a nation. See, his preparation of the sheep, of his time, was to prepare to take care of, <laughs> excuse me, his people. See, when he fought out the lion and the bear, it prepared him, even though he could have been like, Dad, you made me the shepherd, and I almost died today from a lion. I'm nine years old, man. Who does that? Well, apparently they did. But it prepared him to fight a giant, which prepared him to fight the Philistines for the rest of his life, which prepared him to fight the Jebusites and the Parasites and all of the other sites in his nation that kept attacking him constantly. He was under attack constantly, but you know what? He knew perseverance, he knew how to protect his sheep, he knew how to take care of his sheep because he took seriously his time to prepare before he even knew what he was preparing for. I'm gonna to talk to you about preparation tonight. John chapter 17 verse 20 says it again. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. See, I want you to look back a few verses in chapter, or in verse six, and we see that it's Jesus praying. It's his prayer in the garden and he's praying for his apostles. Those who he discipled for three years. See, he's taking this time and see, Jesus is the one, he states in verse six, let's go there, that they have kept the word and received the word. Jesus was praying for them before he prayed for those who would come through their witness. See, Jesus was praying for them before he was praying for us because he knew that if they spent the time preparing themselves, we would come through them. Somebody is waiting for you. Somebody is waiting for you. See, the apostles spent three years with Jesus, three. Now let's just say they spent all the time that they could with him. Peter was married, so you know that he wasn't with Jesus 100% of the time, he didn't leave his wife. He spent three years with Jesus, let's just say eight hour job. He still spent more time with Jesus than most of us because he probably didn't call in sick, I imagine. <coughs> Be healed, <coughs> anyway. And, and, and so you know that he, no, but none of them were probably sick. And, and so they spent eight hours constantly with Jesus, seven days a week. That's a lot of time spent with Jesus. That's a lot of time preparing for something. But here's the thing. The disciples who became the apostles, they didn't necessarily know why. 
they were training under Jesus. They just knew that they wanted to. They didn't know why. Do you know what they thought? They're like, oh, any day now. Any day Jesus is going to put on a sword, put on a helmet. He's going to get on a horse or donkey. He's going to go kill some Romans. In a day now. In a day. Jesus, why are you healing that Romans servant? Oh, come on. Jesus. Seriously. His disciples, they thought he was going to conquer the Romans and establish his kingdom on earth in that moment. They were preparing for something, a preconceived idea. See, they had this idea that was going to happen, but see, everything turned upside down for them and their ideas when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross and he showed them because for three years he'd been giving them parables, telling them, listen, no, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die three days later. I'm going to rise from the dead. And guess what? I'm going I'm to ascend to heaven. I'm going to send my spirit. He's going to reside on the inside of you. I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not going to be orphans. In fact, you're going to start a movement that will be everlasting and will encompass the entire world. Acts chapter 10, verse 3. Acts chapter 10, verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, obviously, we're talking about a man named Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Get this. He will tell you what you must do. Three years Peter spent with Jesus. And in one moment, when Jesus died on a cross, Peter's world was turned upside down. And he came in that moment and realized something. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. Skip down. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew to the city, Peter went on to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Peter realized something about his time with Jesus. He saw preparation. Peter realized how important being ready in season and out was at this moment in time. In fact, he had something to say about it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this in the message paraphrase. Through thick and thin... Keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Hear this. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks you why you're living the way you are. And always with utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when the people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing they're the ones who need a bath. Be ready in season and out of season, Peter said. Be ready in season and out of season. You can see it in, in the book of Acts all the time. Peter and John will be walking to the temple to do their normal everyday routine of going to pray when suddenly a man who's crippled at birth is standing there, hey, can I have a dollar? And Peter says, I don't have a dollar, but what I do have, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. He was prepared in season and out of season. He prepared Even though he didn't necessarily know the mundane, the activities that Jesus were doing, he had preconceived ideas about why he was doing what he was doing, but he knew that after Christ died and revealed these things, he knew what he was preparing for. 
Who's got a job in here? Anybody have a job? I have to ask that, I'm a student ministries pastor. A lot of students don't have jobs. If you have a job, who likes their job? Raise your hand. Everybody's gonna lie in this moment. Okay, good. Uh, I'm happy for you. Now, uh, have you ever done something in your job that is completely mundane, I'll say nicely, mundane. I was gonna say stupid, and, but I'm not going to. Mundane, something unimportant, something, anybody, anybody has to do anything mundane at work that you don't necessarily know why you have to do it? Anybody? Nobody's been there. Okay, thank you. I told a story, thank you. <clears throat> You're in uniform, by the way, Stefan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I had a job. My first job, I was 12 years old. I was a janitor, custodial crew. I was a janitor at a church, to be honest. And I told this story to the youth. And one of the things they taught me besides, you know, taking out the trash, cleaning things off of toilets that, anyway. And, um, besides all of those things, one of the most important things they taught me was how to vacuum. How to vacuum? That's the most important thing you're gonna teach me? Really? And he taught me how to vacuum, and so the first time that I was allowed to go vacuum by myself, I'm like, you know, I'm by myself, it's midnight. <laughs> okay, I got everything, it's fine. I got every crumb, I got every hair, I got everything that you can see with the naked eye, I, can, I got it all. And I walked off, the next day I had 15 people, 15, come up to me. And you're like, wow. Did you vacuum? I'm like, what? Of course I vacuumed. Do you see any of the crumbs? There was a dinner here last night. Do you see any of it? Oh, hmm. Well, there's no V's. Where's all the V's? What, the guy who trained me was every aisle, you do V's or pyramids or W's or however you want to call them, every single row. And you can see them. You can actually look, and they have every place is different. This church, we have lines. And you'll go and you'll notice this for the rest of your life. Every time you go down the tree, you're gonna see them right here. You're gonna see them right there. You're gonna see them right there. And if you don't see them, you're gonna be thinking, oh, they didn't vacuum. <laughs> but the thing is, our custodial crew, this is, that's their ministry. And I'm telling you, one time I walked on one of their lines right after they did it, and they let me know it. Oh yeah, and they revacuumed my footprint. They took it very seriously. Every custodial crew knows the vacuum. It's important, but I didn't see it as important. I didn't realize it was preparing me. And did you know because of learning to vacuum and seeing the importance and being ra you know, you know, ransacked basically by the people of the church, um, it was so important. It taught me, I'm not OCD, but there are certain things that I really focus on now, constantly. And it's taught me to be better than where my own standard is that I will prepare myself or do things above even my own standards. Anything that I do, I look at it and can I do it better than that? Can I do it? It taught me excellence. And so many people in our lives, we, we just do. And we don't necessarily understand why we do. We just do. When we're not seeing that the level that we're actually putting into us is training us so much for so much more than just our job. I'm just bringing home money, doing what I do. So, you know, apparently most of us enjoy our jobs. <clears throat> but I'm not calling you 
Anyway, um, we love our jobs, apparently. And so you'll do so much. But have you ever gone above and beyond and seen the fruit in your own life because you went above and beyond? I mean, the more that we prepare, the more that we do, the more God is able to use us. And that's what I'm gonna get into. There's a reason why we prepare, guys. And, and Peter realized that. What a life of preparation looks like is growth. A life of preparation looks like growth. I can tell somebody who prepares for their life, prepares for their job. I can tell uh, somebody who prepares for whatever it is that they're doing. I know somebody who's preparing because I see growth in their life. See, somebody needs you. I'm going to say that again. Somebody needs you. Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to go pretty swiftly now. See, he put parables before them saying, the kingdom of heaven, in verse 31, is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field, verse 32. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. Now hear this, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in his branches. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs you that somebody needs the kingdom of heaven, it says. The kingdom of heaven is like. Somebody needs you to grow the kingdom of heaven in your own life. Somebody's waiting for you to prepare yourself. Somebody's waiting for you. Do, do you see the importance of it? So many people place the, uh, the responsibility for ministering to the pastors, and now here I am a pastor saying this. So many people expect us, well, you need, you're the pastor, you need to do all the work. You need the, you're the pastor, you need to get people saved. You're the pastor, you do the ministry. Did you know what Ephesians chapter four says? It says that we're here to, to prepare you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Somebody is waiting for you to impact their lives Somebody in your job, somebody in your home, thank you, somebody in your community, somebody's waiting for you. Did you know that the Bible says that God prepared good works before the foundation of the earth in eternity? See, God's eternal. He lives outside of space, outside of time. God created these things waiting for this one moment in time where you're created, where you're born, where you grow up, and now suddenly he's got this one thing for you to do. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? This one thing, it's, it's an amazing thing to me. And so many of us, we don't put an importance on preparing ourselves, preparing ourselves. We never read Romans chapter 12, verse one. We never read verse two. We never see this life of separation, this life of the importance of why, why, why? That's work, I don't wanna do work. Bible says awake, awake, awake. Now is the day of salvation, awake from your sleep. So many of us are asleep, and this isn't a condemnation thing. This is me, myself. Dear God, is it myself? I'll be in the store and I'm like, God, I feel a prompting on my heart and I really don't wanna do it. I really don't wanna go talk to that person, it's uncomfortable. (laughs) Am I right? I really don't wanna give my $20 that's in my pocket. I really don't want to, but I really feel that that person's struggling or it doesn't even matter. I'm just feeling a prompting to go give that person a Pentecostal handshake. Who's ever had a Pentecostal handshake? Who knows what that is? You put a bill in your hand and go shake somebody's hand. Don't let anybody know. Nobody, nobody's had that? Never mind. It's, 
whatever. Anyway, wow. Man, I need to educate you guys in old school. Old school Pentecostalism. All right. <laughs> See, the birds of the air, when you prepare yourself, when, the, when you go, I tell the students this all the time, go home and read your stinking Bible. Go read it. Go read it. Go know it. Go smell it. Go breathe it. Go eat it. Go smell just, just absorb that. Every part of it. But the thing is, am I practicing that? Are we practicing that? See, your students, if you have a student, anyone under the age of 20, they're looking to you. They're looking to me. They're looking to us as adults here to prepare because our kids see our preparation. Our kids know when I've been, my kids know when I've been in the word because when I'm not, I'm grumpy. What? You're being real now. I am a grumpy person when I don't read my word. And see, here's my, 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 I'm not OCD, but I have to drink my coffee and read my Bible. I do, they're both associated to each other. So the smell of coffee makes me want to read my word. Reading my word makes me want to drink coffee. It just works that way because I've done it for so long. I had to create a habit because I saw the importance of living a lifestyle of preparation. I saw it. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to reach your family, to reach your loved ones, to reach your community, to reach your job. He wants you to start a movement. Jesus called you the church. Did you know the word church isn't actually in the Bible? Oh, I'm somebody still clapping. The word church is actually not in the Bible. That's a German word. It's a German word. German's not in the Bible. The Greek word actually means the gathered ones. A movement. God wants you to be the gathered ones. God wants you to gather people to you. He wants you to be so attractive to people that they just are gathered to you. Somebody's waiting for you to prepare. Somebody's waiting for you to prepare. Come on. Come on now, I'm almost done. You might be thinking to yourself, oh, I'm too old, too young, too short, too black, too white, too brown, too something else. You might be thinking that to yourself, man, I'm in South Texas, I'm a Californian. You hillbilly, you hippie. You eat vegan, vegetarian, souffle, soy lattes, don't you? Yes, I do. (laughs) But you know what? God saw fit to use me in the great state of Texas. (laughs) Here I am some foreigner in Texas accomplishing his will. See, God's waiting for you. Now, I want you to turn to this. Come on now, everybody over the age of 50, turn to Psalms 92. Okay, maybe some in the 50s are like, couldn't you just say 60? Psalms 92, verse 12, and I'm gonna close in a minute with this. (laughs) The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of the God. I want all the the mature people in this place to shout when I say this. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Come on now, somebody get excited. Don't tell me God can't prepare you for the work of the ministry because you're 75 years old. My grandfather is 83 years old and he still preaches all the time. He's been in ministry for 60 something, uh, 67 years. 
Come on now. He is getting more people saved in his 80s than I think in the last 60 years of his life. Why? Because he's prepared himself for so long that God says there is somebody that I can use. God's wanting to say, guess what, man? I want to use you. And you've been preparing yourself. You've been showing yourself faithful. Guess what? You're raising your children just like I asked you to. You're going and doing your job and doing the mundane, but you don't see the importance of it. But I want you to know, BJ, that God's got a plan for you, that God's using you and preparing you even in this place that you're at right now for something great and you don't even know what it is yet. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And that's good news. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.